1: Welcome to Hour Number Two, the Morning After Live right here on this Thursday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. We are just a few days away from the 2022 College Football Playoff National Championship in Los Angeles. We'll look at where the line has moved because it's moved multiple times. Not just since New Year's Eve, Saturday in the semifinals, but in the last 12 to 18 hours. We'll also hear from our sports business professor, Rick Horo, up next here, live on the morning after. You never know what Rick is going to say. We'll go all around the sports landscape in this second hour, live right here on TMA. A check-in on a big night in college hoops. And we set the stage because as of right now, again, week 18 in the National Football League is on as originally scheduled. Monday night in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium, where last year it was a Super Bowl. This year, it's a national title. On the line in college football, between the reigning national champs, the number one seed in all the land, the Georgia Bulldogs taking on number three TCU. Now, focus on the spread first and foremost. It is 12 and a half in favor of the Dogs. The early look ahead line, Before the college football playoff semifinal Saturday action was in this potential matchup, Georgia lay in 16 and a half against TCU. And then both teams are victorious on Saturday evening. The line opens up once again for the exact national championship matchup that we have on Monday at 13 and a half. And then we saw some movement about 36 hours ago, down to 12 and a half only in favor of Georgia. Quickly bought back up to 13 and a half once again in favor of UGA. Now within the last 12 hours, back to 12 and a half just in favor of Georgia. The market working slightly in the manner of the Horn Frogs, who this year as an underdog have been tasked with proving it on their way to a national championship. And they have done exactly that. They have been an underdog in four games this year after flipping to the dog for the Big 12 title game against K-State. That is the only game of the four they have not covered. In fact, one outright. Three and one, both straight up and against the spread for TCU as an underdog this year. Georgia has been booked as a favorite in every game this year. All 14 of them, a double-digit favorite in 12 of the 14, 6-6. Six and six against the spread now a small bit of information for you here in the scope of the national championship game and now the nine-year history of the college football playoff we highlighted this entering semifinal saturday how non-competitive for the most part in the sample size of 16 semifinal matchups we had seen in the cfp an average margin north of 21 points per game that has been the case here in the last four years of the national title game the first four years From 2014 to 2017, three of the four games decided by a single score. In fact, three straight after an opening blowout in the first national championship game in the college football playoff history. But in the last four years, the closest margin was last year, 33-18 for Georgia's national championship. That was a 15-point margin. The average margin of victory over the last four years, 22 points per game when you see 12 and a half or getting closer to two touchdowns potentially at 13 a hook it makes sense given the recent history of the college football playoff the ninth year now we crown a national champion in this format a welcome to our sports grid radio audience here the second hour of the morning after live on this thursday looking forward to a national championship on monday here on the grid, Sirius XM Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I'm ben Stevens, the prop market has just started to trickle open for the national title game on Monday between the Horned Frogs and the Bulldogs. In terms of the anytime touchdown props, Georgia's running back Kenny McIntosh has the strongest number, the most heavily favored player in the national title game to find he had 126 scrimmage yards in the semifinal game against ohio state including a receiving touchdown he scored twice on the ground against lsu in the sec championship game now keep an eye on kendra miller and amari Dimarcata the two next prices we see for tcu's backfield kendra miller left the game in the early portion of the second half against michigan but he had scored 17 total touchdowns this year including in every game leading up to the college football playoff semifinal, DeMarcado entered 17 carries, 50 on the ground in a score. You'll see a plus money price on Max Duggan, by the way, one of those two Heisman finalists that we have facing off in this quarterback matchup. He scored twice against Michigan in the college football playoff semifinal. Speaking of those two Heisman finalists, it's Stetson Bennett on one side and Max Duggan on the other. Bennett, the 25-year-old, trying to lead Georgia to its second consecutive national championship after not having won one since 1980, a span north of four decades. And he steps up big in the biggest games, 398 passing yards against Ohio State, well over this number of 269 in a hook. Max Duggan only had 225 against Michigan, under that number of 230 and a half, but prior to that, over in nine of the first 13 games this year, For TCU. And although Georgia entered the SEC title game with the best scoring defense in all of college football once again, they gave up 30 points against the Bayou Bengals, over 500 passing yards. They gave up 41 points to the Buckeyes. CJ Stroud threw the football for 348 yards and four touchdowns. I expect Sonny Dykes to try to exploit that matchup as well. So keep an eye on that passing yards prop. For Max Duggan. What will our sports professor Rick Horo say? We'll have to tune in to find out next.
0: Sportsgrid.com Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com
1: live right here on the morning after on sports grid thank you for joining us on this thursday sirius xm channel 159 all across the sports grid network i am ben stevens a week ago on a thursday i was at yankee stadium to take in the 2022 bad boy mowers pinstripe ball between my syracuse orange and the minnesota golden gophers apparently so, so was our sports business professor, Rick Horo, up in the snazzy press box. I was just one of the lay people in the stands taking in the game with a frosty beverage alongside my friends. Rick Horo knew this. I did not know that he was there in his physical presence, and yet he doesn't reach out to say hello. Noted, Rick, noted. But a happy yeah. new year to you, my friend.
2: <laughs> happy new year to you with that precursor. That, thank you, thank yeah. you very much. The bottom line was, the press box was not a press box. It was an open-air excuse for a press box where they gave you statistics. Oh. I'd have much rather had a winter coat than statistics. Had I seen you, I'd have thrown a paper airplane or, or a snowball sure. or something to get your attention. So, sorry. Duly noted. Noted and noted.
1: It, was, it wasn't that cold, by the way, by Northeast standards. But Rick Horo down there in the Sunshine State, it might have been a little bit frigid rick that was on december 29th 2022 on the final day of 2022 december 31st the college football playoff semifinals now there have been some that have looked and said why have these games on new year's eve when everybody's going out to their parties and popping champagne well this year the tv ratings were tremendous up 28 percent from last year in 2021 the highest ever rated college football playoff semifinal day that was not on new year's day so rick what is your reaction to these numbers for the college football playoff semifinals in 2022
2: collectively and individually collectively look at the storylines you got ohio state backing in you got tcu do they belong you got michigan's avid alums and they're like 900 trillion michigan alums all over the world and they all watch tv and uh you know georgia do they defend so great storylines there but b the games obviously the games were incredible, and when you think of when you think of Kansas, Arkansas, you think of Tulane, Southern Cal. What incredible football this year! Now you're going to have a 12-team playoff for that, and then finally, it's a calendar issue. When you look at it, they're not going to play these games on the 28th or 29th, and if you're boxed in once every what seven years by a new year's eve because sunday is nfl and will always be nfl it's not going to change so quit bitching and move on
1: yeah absolutely and i think we did move on we saw the best single day in the history of the college football playoff semifinals rick from another football a bomb dropped in the soccer world for the u.s men's national team yesterday an espn report stated that former u.s men's national team captain claudio reyna whose son, Gio Reyna, was on this year's World Cup team, but there was some issue with his playing time in Qatar. There was some additional information that Greg Berhalter, although he did not name names, highlighted that Gio Reyna had an issue with his playing time and his attitude on the team became an issue as well. This report states, though, that Claudio Reyna sent multiple messages to U.S. soccer executives during the World Cup threatening to reveal sensitive details about U.S. men's national team coach Greg Berhalter's past. Rick, there are so many different areas of this story. Burhalter and Reyna played on the 2002 World Cup team together. They grew up together. Their wives, Danielle Reyna, who is the mother of Gio, and Greg's wife, Rosalind, were college roommates and teammates at North Carolina. And Danielle Reyna released in a statement yesterday that she was the one that released information about Greg Berhalter's past including a 1991 domestic violence incident with his then-girlfriend, Rosalind, who is now his wife. That was over 30 years ago. The U.S. Soccer Federation has launched an investigation into all of that. They did not pick up Greg Berhalter's current contract, which expired at the end of 22. Rick, I could go on forever, but how do you boil (laughs) down this incredibly insane story about U.S. men's soccer at the moment?
2: First of all... You did that very well. It was like 48 seconds, and it could be precursor to a soap opera. It's Hollywood uh, revisited. Is it business? Uh, I don't know. But it certainly keeps soccer, however you want to define it, top of mind after the World Cup. You can think back, would Reina's presence and more playing time made a difference in the game against Netherlands? I mean, who knows? You could. Everybody can think about that stuff, but we're not. We're on to, as Belichick would say, we're on to four years from now, North America. But this story isn't over. This story will be civilly litigated, my bet. And when it is, you'll be right there in the courthouse with me waiting for the discovery documents so we can continue the soap opera.
1: It is incredibly interesting. From the drama perspective, it's the worst of sports parents, right? Soccer parents yeah. mad their kids not playing and they threaten to release this information. When you boil it down a little bit more though, you get into some highly sensitive material for Greg Burhalter Berth- and his wife Rosalind, whose best friends of more than three decades are now airing out some of their past they've had to live through and work through. Greg Burhalter and his wife now married and they have been together for over 30 years. They have four kids. And then the logistical perspective of Burhalter not playing Reina. You could have blamed both sides for how that played out in Qatar. And Burhalter at this moment under investigation from the U.S. Soccer Federation. And is not the head coach of the national team. His future is in question. All very interesting, Rick. And like you mentioned, we will see the drama play out. And we will get more information in due time. Rick, of course, in the sports world here, our focus has been on DeMar Hamlin's health and his condition. That has come first and foremost, the health of a human being and an individual mattering way more than any result on the football field. The NFL released this statement on Tuesday afternoon that after speaking with both the Bengals and the Bills, their week 17 game will not be resumed at any point this week up in the air when that possibly could be resumed from a schedule perspective but week number 18 the regular season finale in the national football league is on for this weekend as originally scheduled rick so many moving pieces here to a huge operation how do you expect the league office to handle the schedule the rest of this regular season
2: let me talk about the, uh, the activity on the field first before the schedule. Uh, we don't know how this is all going to turn out medically. We all wish for the best, clearly. But when you consider how the NFL responded to a playbook that's not yet been written, going over getting the defibrillator, uh, reviving this person twice, uh, shielding from fans, there were minor tweaks about the players not being exposed to this. Clearly, it's not minor if you're a player. But at the end of the day, the NFL did it, in my mind, as well as they possibly could. Donna Ponte, the executive there, in touch with the coaches and top executives. So if you wrote a crisis management manual and you took six months to think about it, it wouldn't be that much different, and they did it in real time. So kudos to the NFL for that. As for the scheduling, they're talking about it right now, I'm sure. They're not going to lose a lot of sleep. I think at the end of the day, it boils down to the NFL will risk— Ire of a team that doesn't turn out well statistically if they declare this a non game and then take the higher percentage for the seeds. If it ends up with playoff implications, meaning who makes it and who doesn't, then they've got to play the game, in my estimation. That's a very simple way of putting it. At the end of the day, they're not going to decide probably until the end of this week. Let all the Week 18 results happen, and then maybe right after the game is over or the week is over, make a decision on how to deal with this. The one thing they won't do in my mind is stop the NFL after Week 18 and have one game next week, which is three-quarters of a Bengals uh, game. The TV networks won't let them do that.
1: Rick, in a media call with the NFL and reporters yesterday, NFL Executive Director Jeff Miller did say they know they have to make a decision sometime very soon. He said it should come, in quote, in the coming days. Rick, that does it for me here in this segment. Feel free to take us to break.
2: Well, How long do I have? Be, oh, 20 seconds? All right. By the way, 20. it is fun working with you. It always has been. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how good it's going to be in 2023. I think it's going to be pretty good because you and I are really great. A. Enjoy
0: coming back. Great stuff coming up. We'll talk to you right after the break. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: back right here on the morning after on sports grid and sirius xm channel 159 college basketball is front and center we are heavy in to the conference slates now and that will be the story the rest of the way here in 2022-23 in this college hoops season so we need to get you ready for all that live right here on a thursday on tma we enter the zone A return this week of some of our favorite college basketball guests as college hoops becomes a little bit more top of mind. Jim Root is back live right here on the morning after covering college basketball with three man weave the field of 68 the action network all across the board. And we appreciate his expertise and his insight here on this Thursday on the morning after Jim. Thank you so much and a happy new year to you
3: of course happy new year to you yeah you're getting some of your favorite guests back on and jim root that's 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 how it is i get it i understand no
1: No, jim root included in that group of some of our favorite guests and jim the last time that you were with us the missouri flag of your alma mater was flipped upside down now it is right side up the tigers a top 25 team a huge top 25 tilt last night on the road in sec play in fayetteville against a top 15 squad in arkansas now the razorbacks get the victory 74 68 a six-point home win but mizzou covers as a seven and a half point underdog entering the game jim missouri had won outright in their last three games booked as an underdog in your mind how is missouri over
3: exceeding expectations so far this season there's a a really impressive connectivity between the team they have like 11 new scholarship players but they actually have chemistry they have joy playing together they've gotten uh, into a style really up and down pressure heavy that has i think really engaged the guys and allowed them to play a deep rotation egos kind of get set aside when there's that many shots to go around dennis gates has done an awesome job in his first season And I think early on after the Kansas loss, it was like, OK, maybe this team can't really step up in competition. The defense can't hold up, but they've made some really smart tweaks. They've gone a lot more zone. It worked really well last night against Arkansas in the first half. But Then the Razorbacks made more shots in the second half. They brought Joseph Pinion in the freshman. He hit some big shots, uh, so it didn't quite bear out for a victory last night. But between the, the talent that was there and, and Gates brought in in the in the portal and the chemistry, some of the tweaks he's made, Missouri's actually legit, and and I think it was impressive that Arkansas came from behind and got that victory last night. Bud Walton, a tough place to play. The must
1: bus rides on here into this new season. They are ranked 13th in the country are the Arkansas Razorbacks, Jim, but number nine in the Ken Palm efficiency ratings. What do you think
3: the ceiling is this year for the Hogs? It's it's Final Four for them, for sure. Um, And and maybe national title, if, if they get Nick Smith Jr. back in there, His status is very murky cloudy we don't know what's going on i think it's like a a knee issue he's getting checked out but he did play some games earlier this year and showed off that lottery potential that he has it seemed like he was ramping up to potentially being an all-american despite missing maui invitational and some of the early season games if they get him back in there to compliment ricky council and anthony black and jordan walsh that lanky athleticism that they have all across the roster you add one more scorer, one more shooter I, i think they could be right up there with Tennessee and Alabama to win the SEC and then uh, make a big, big run in the postseason. We know Musselman can do that, that's for sure.
1: The SEC, one of the deepest leagues in college basketball this year, but possibly the most competitive, that would be the Big 12. A top 20 tilt last night in Waco between Baylor and TCU. Chuck O'Bannon Jr., a deep corner two, but still the game winner in the closing minutes for TCU against Baylor last night. The Horned Frogs have won outright as a a six-and-a-half-point underdog. Jim, when you look at this TCU team, who obviously gave Arizona that uh, showdown last year in the NCAA tournament, an interesting start to the year for TCU, but now they've won 11 straight. Baylor, meanwhile, already their fourth loss of this season. How do you view these two teams at this point, entering as Big 12 play picks up?
3: Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I liked both of them as Final Four teams coming into the year. And early, it looked like, okay, Baylor's legit. And TCU is not, based on their by-game performances against the Southland early. They dropped that one to Northwestern State. And now they're headed in completely different directions. TCU 2-0 and in the league. Baylor 0-2 with a home loss. That's not great in the Big 12, considering how competitive it's going to be. I adore TCU. I think they're fantastic. I've called them kind of a... This this is going to come across maybe as an insult to Horned Frogs fans, but like a a Houston light. And I think Houston's the best team in the country, so I don't mean that as an insult, but they barrage the offensive glass. They've got an all-American caliber scoring guard in Mike Miles. They've got some versatility defensively between Miller and Baugh and Jacoby Coles, all those guys. Uh, Xavier Cork had the game-winning block last night. They just need to figure out the perimeter shooting. That's what hamstrung them in the first three games and they've kind of struggled from beyond the arc here in, in league play, if they get that going, considering the defense that they play, the just all-out rim attack that they have going, and having Miles as their star, I, I think they're, like I said, final four contender. Baylor, though, they, they got to sort some things out defensively. They don't have a lot of rim protection, physicality. No Jonathan Chamwa Chachua has clearly hurt them. He's still recovering from his knee injury. Super potent backcourt, but they've got some some issues to iron out as Big 12 play goes on. Two straight losses,
1: Jim, like you mentioned, to open up Big 12 play for Scott Drew and the Baylor Bears, including in their opener, a 15-point defeat against Iowa State. We just flashed the Big 12 odds. Kansas, a short favorite at plus 125. Many feel, Jim, this is the best league in all of college basketball, but just how competitive do you expect the Big 12 to be
3: all year long? I, I think it'll be competitive, but I do think that those odds are probably priced correctly. I think Kansas is a nudge above everybody else. In a league where home court is maybe the most important it could possibly be, Kansas has one of the best ones, and they've already won at one of the toughest road environments in Lubbock. That, you know, is a controversial ending. I get that, but the win counts the same. They're 2-0 with a road win. They go to West Virginia. That's going to be difficult as well. There's no off nights in this league. I just really believe in what Kansas is this year with their versatility on the wing. Grady Dick, Jalen Wilson, Kevin McCuller, few teams can match up with all three of those guys at any one time. And then you got Dewan Harris and KJ Adams, kind of the perfect role guys to tie it all together. I'm buying the Jayhawks despite the, the Mizzou flag behind me. And, and I think they're going to yeah. end up maybe winning the Big 12 by two games is what I'll predict. KU also the second best odds only behind
1: Houston at this moment to win the national championship, which would be two straight for Bill Self and the Jayhawks from the Big 12. To the Big East. UConn, as we think we lost Jim's camera there for a second. Some technical difficulties. We hope to have him back here on this show. The UConn Huskies were rolling to start off this season. One of the final remaining unbeaten teams in all of college hoops. A perfect 14-0 start for Dan Hurley and the Huskies. 11-2-1 against the spread. One of the most profitable teams in all of college basketball. Well, UConn now on a two-game skid, booked as a favorite in both of those games. They go to the dunk last night in Friartown, Providence, Rhode Island. And last year on this show, you know we were fired up on a consistent basis in Big East, Big East action. Providence pulls off the upset. Over fourth-rent Connecticut last night at home, 83 71 the friars winning outright in that basketball game as a five and a half point dog i believe jim root is back with us here live on this thursday on no we do not have jim root all right anyway we are going to continue to break down what we saw in the big east last night providence winning outright as a five and a half point underdog many people considered providence a lucky team last year the record not nearly or was too good for what their actual roster had from the metric perspective. And they lost a lot of that talent from last year's team that was a four seed in the NCAA tournament. They are off to a 13-3 start and a perfect 5-0 and zero start in the Big East. Jim, I was just detailing the recap of last night at the dunk. Providence, the upset victory over UConn, 83-71, outright for the Friars as a five and a half. Point dog. What was your main takeaway from Providence's fifth win already in Big East play,
3: and the second straight loss for the Huskies? I'm gonna go out and, and say Providence is better than last year, which is crazy. They won the league last year. I'm sure Friar fans yeah. are, are finally remembering that. But the talent they brought in the portal, they're, they're a little bit adjacent to like Mizzou. We're talking about a team that came together a lot faster than probably some people expected. And I'm sure John Calipari is wishing he still had Bryce Hopkins. He's been dominant so far in the front court for them, giving them a a real scoring piece. Jared Bynum left the game last night, and they still managed fine. Uh, Devin Carter, the South Carolina transfer, has been the real revelation for me. I I just didn't think he had this kind of scoring output in him after what he did last year. But they've got pieces up and down. They've got depth. They've got a ton of physicality on the front line, which is what you need to compete with UConn. I was impressed with how that went last night, uh, given the the presence of Sunogo and Klingon up front. I've just, i been nothing short of stunned by how good Providence is this year. I thought they'd be middle of the pack, and they have every every shot to win a a back-to-back Big East title given the way they've started the year. Jim,
1: as you look at the Big East, an 11-team league as we go into here 2022-23. As you examine the conference overall, how many
3: potential NCAA tournament bids do you think come out of the Big East this year? Uh, looking up and down, I'd probably guess six. Um, the, the first six that are on the odds here, Connecticut, Xavier, Marquette, Creighton, Providence, Nova. I think that's who ends up getting in. Uh, Butler just has not been consistent enough, despite the fact that I like the roster and the Thad Mata hire. Seton Hall is too lost offensively for me to trust them. And then you have the the DePaul, Georgetown at the bottom. I don't think St. John's gets there either. But I would set it at six with Villanova being the swing team. So they've been good enough with Cam Whitmore back in, but they need to start getting wins. Dropping that one at home to Marquette was concerning. I'll say six, though.
1: Crazy to see Nova with the sixth best price in the Big East, by the way. The Hoyas, Georgetown have lost 25 straight Big East games. Jim Root, thank you, as always, for your time and bearing through some technical difficulties with us here on this Thursday on the Morning.
3: More of the show. Appreciate it. Thanks.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Back right here live on the morning after on this Thursday on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 1 I am Ben Stevens. Within the last couple of minutes, the Buffalo Bills have put out a positive statement surrounding the condition of Demar Hamlin. As the Bills have stated, per the physicians caring for Demar Hamlin at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, Demar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours. While still critically ill, he has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal and he is making steady progress. We are grateful for the love support we have received so some incredibly positive news for damar hamlin stated by the buffalo bills in this release just about 15 minutes ago again he appears to be neurologically intact his lungs continue to heal and he is making steady progress incredible improvement in the last 24 hours so here on this thursday on tma we welcome harrison sanford onto the show as well as we set the stage for week number 18 but of course Harrison this week in the National Football League the health of the individual not the football player but the human being that is DeMar Hamlin has been front and center what is your reaction to that very positive news on this Thursday morning
4: good morning uh yeah I'm happy to see that I was hoping for the best uh it's been kind of a wonky week trying to deal with the emotions of everything that we saw on Monday night football and then still trying to uh, do our jobs, whether that's talk about sports in general or for the purposes of this show or uh, this some of the things that we do with this network, talk about sports betting, made it very difficult. Uh, so happy to see that. And, you know, just a reminder that, you know, as we potentially play some bets and some wagers, we're not assuming uh, the same level of risk that some of these athletes are part- are, are giving up. Uh, When they step out there on the field, whether it's football or any of these combat sports, it really put things in perspective. Happy to hear the good news and uh, hoping to hear even more news as time continues to go, because I believe in that Buffalo Bills uh, press release. It also said that he is still critically ill. So there's still a ways to go. But Eddie, but I love to hear good progress and I hope we, we continue to hear more.
1: A recovery process certainly underway, but positive news over the last 24, 36 hours for DeMar Hamlin and his condition still at the UC Medical Center in Cincinnati and Harrison, you're right, our best bet, our parlay for a National Football League weekend can seem like the most important thing in the world at times, but it becomes insignificant when we worry about the health of a human being. So positive news on this Thursday morning for Buffalo's DeMar we got the release from the national football league a couple of days ago the resumption of the game between the Bengals and the bills still uncertain but the week 18 schedule outside of that is on as scheduled it's the regular season finale harrison in the national football league and the true regular season finale is sunday night at lambeau field between the green bay packers and the detroit lions the packers a four and a half point favorite against the lions harrison green bay is the only team in the nfc wildcard chase at this moment that controls its own destiny for the seventh and final nfc playoff spot it's pretty simple for green bay win and in so harrison a simple question to you will aaron Rodgers and the packers knock off the detroit lions
4: yeah green bay is going to get the job done uh if you just look at uh, how these two teams are kind of postured Uh, The Detroit Lions have a poor secondary. They let up a lot of passing yards. And right now, Aaron Rodgers, seems like he's operating with a wealth of confidence with the receivers that he has out there. Um, Christian Watson, there was some thoughts that maybe he wouldn't play last week. He ended up playing. uh, And so I could only imagine he's going to be even healthier for this matchup. And then you also throw in as well the fact that the Detroit Lions, while they could be playing for pride, that could just be about it. If the L.A. Rams take care, I mean, if the Seattle Seahawks take care of the L.A. Rams earlier in the day, then Detroit really only has that to play for. They wouldn't be playing for a playoff spot. So I'm going to bet with the team that has the the utmost amount of motivation versus uh, the team that might not have that. And speaking of motivation, my friend, Ben, uh, I have some props that I think would be interesting as it pertains to some of the games that we're going to talk about and also this one. Uh, Numero uno, one Preston Smith is one and a half sacks away from a $1 million bonus. Last time these two teams played, uh, he had two pressures. I will be throwing some shekels down on our friend Preston Smith to uh, hopefully cash out on that bonus that's allowed for him in his contract. There is also a man by the name of Khalif Raymond, obviously not as popular in the passing attack now that Jameson Williams is there, but as I alluded to, yeah. the Lions might not be playing for anything. Could be some garbage time later on in the game. Khalif Raymond gets a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar bonus for seven receptions, or uh, and or a uh, hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar bonus for fifty yards receiving. Uh, I will be betting his over. I'm assuming his over is probably mm-hmm. going to be around 25 30 yards. He needs fifty of those to get hundred and twenty-five k. If Jordan, uh, if, if if uh, Mr. Goff, if Jared Goff is a man of the people, if Dan Sullivan is a man of the, if Dan Campbell is a man of the people, he let Raymond cash out on that bonus and hopefully help me cash my ticket.
1: Motivation all around the place for week number 18. Teams jockeying for a playoff spot, postseason positioning and contract incentives that should handicap into the prop market as well so as we look at this green bay packers team harrison you believe they'll make it five straight wins to end out the regular season and clinch that seventh and final nfc playoff spot is this version of aaron Rodgers and the green bay packers a team that can make some noise in the postseason as well
4: hundred percent a hundred percent um i think they have one they have the experienced quarterback which is what not not what a lot of teams in the nfc can say they have the proven quarterback which is what not a lot of the teams in the nfc can say uh so i think it's all out there for them obviously they would love to have maybe a home game or two at Lambeau field that's not going to be allowed to them but i think they have what it takes honestly uh, i do think if they end up running into the 49ers it could be an issue because they're. The weakness of their team is their rush defense and obviously that's what the 49ers do well but at the same time you're talking about brock purdy at quarterback and as well as he might have played so far how much do you really trust him uh so i like the packers chances uh going forward here again there's not a lot of players or teams rather yet in the nfc that have a wealth of experience and that are actually talented to that level in my opinion so, I like the Packers for sure. I would like them a lot more if they weren't playing the 49ers to start, though, because of that rushing attack that Kyle Shannon has constructed there in San Francisco.
1: And we've seen the Green Bay Packers struggle against the San Francisco 49ers in recent postseasons, including last year in Lambeau as the number one overall seed. You see there the teams, their records, and their conference odds entering the regular season finale all three teams jockeying for that third and final nfc wildcard spot all with an eight and eight record but you can see where the packers stand in comparison to both the lions and the seahawks a 14-1 number on green bay to win the conference 60-1 for detroit 70-1 for seattle harrison you mentioned the scenario for sunday night football between the lions and the packers it could be a winner-take-all game if the Seahawks lose. But if the Seahawks win in their matchup in the late afternoon slate against L.A., they would need Detroit, who would then be eliminated because of the Seahawks' victory, to knock off the Packers so Seattle could get into the NFC Seattle near a touchdown favorite at home against the LA Rams for their regular season finale knowing all of those clinching scenarios and what is on the line what is the approach for this matchup between the Rams and the Seahawks
4: yeah I got the Seahawks winning this one and I think they win it big actually as well Uh, again they are playing for their playoffs lives the Rams aren't I know Baker Mayfield is probably playing to impress uh, some team if not impress Sean McVay again Uh, to potentially be the backup quarterback. But with that being said, uh, I got the Seahawks all the way here. Uh, I just think the motivation factor, again, it it, it cannot be ignored uh, when we factor it into sports betting. Uh, I did want to also point out as well, uh, there will be a person on the Rams that is motivated more than some others. Uh, Tyler Higbee has uh, a bonus on his way, $500,000 awarded to him if he gets 13 yards receiving. Um, he has not hit that number in four of his last six games, but, uh, I imagine Baker Mayfield, like Jared Goff is a man of the people get Tyler Higby, the ball, another prop that I will be betting on, uh, for sure. So I'll take the Tyler Higby over whatever his, uh, receiving yards might end up being, uh, or at least receptions number, whatever that ends up being and give me the Seahawks to cover the spread. Definitely Seahawks on the money line, parlay that up and I'll have it Sunday. Yeah.
1: That would be a great Sunday for sure. As we flip it over to the AFC wildcard chase. Right now, the Miami Dolphins still have their hopes alive. The New York Jets have been eliminated from postseason contention. The Jets face off against the Finns in South Beach. And it's New York at the moment, Harrison, as a slight road favorite. I mean, very slight. Minus 118 on the money line. Just a point in the spread in favor of gang green. The reason being for Miami, no to a tongue of And still, some uncertainty around Teddy Bridgewater with the broken pinky on his right throwing hand. Skylar Thompson has been getting the first team reps for Miami, who has now flipped to the underdog. So, Harrison, do you agree with the line move? Should the Dolphins, still with their playoff hopes very much alive, be the underdog for this matchup?
4: Uh. I guess so. I mean, yeah, if you, do, if you're down to your third string quarterback, I guess that makes sense. I honestly, this is not a game that I want to touch uh, at all until I know the status of the quarterback position for the Miami dolphins. If it does end up being Teddy Bridgewater, I give the dolphins a great chance. Uh, but if it's not, then I'm going to just really going to wait to bet this game live and see what the live angle might be. This is a tough, tough spot because you know typically we're ready for the backup quarterback now. You got to prepare for the backup to the backup. They're playing with motivation, but I don't, it doesn't come across like Robert Salaz one of those guys uh, who doesn't want to win another game, considering where this Jets franchise yeah. has been, especially against a divisional rival. It's a tough spot for sure. I prefer to bet this one live. If I had to do something pregame, I would wait until final word is made on the Miami Dolphins quarterback situation.
1: The only team there in the AFC wildcard chase that controls its own destiny the New England Patriots. If they win, New England is in, but they're a seven-point underdog against the Buffalo Bills. That line now up for week number 18. Somehow, someway, Harrison, the Pittsburgh Steelers still in the hunt for a postseason they there are two and a half point favorite against the Cleveland Browns in their regular season finale at home on Sunday afternoon Pittsburgh has won three straight ball games five of the last six so what flipped for the Steelers to be in playoff contention at this time
4: well the running game has gotten going and we've I mean if you're if you were a fantasy football manager of Najee Harris throughout the entirety of the year you're wondering what happened to this dynamic running back that we used that they used that used to exist for pittsburgh but he's kind of come back recently here over the past couple of weeks uh not just as a rusher, but also in the passing game as well we've seen jalen warren uh have some moments here as well so i think they've been playing pretty well um and obviously george pickens catches anything that's in the vicinity of his arms uh and maybe just maybe ben maybe just maybe deontay johnson finally gets in the end zone He set an nfl hmm. record for the most targets with no touchdowns so far this season, which is crazy. I think at this point, it's over 130 targets, no touchdowns, NFL record. Uh, so maybe he breaks that this, uh, this week, but nonetheless, uh, they've changed it around, and I expect them to win this weekend.
1: So Harrison, all of those games on Sunday, a couple on Saturday as well, including the Saturday night showdown in duval between the jaguars and the titans that will decide the afc south jacksonville at this moment a six point favorite harrison sanford we will see you all weekend long on in-game live across the sports grid network thank you for your time today we round out the show up next We close out our two hours together here live on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here live on this Thursday on TMA. We round out the show as we always do with a best bet that we hope cashes for you. We focus on college basketball, a huge Thursday night slate in the sport. Throughout this week, I've been looking at the college hoop schedule. Every day, I'll update to see what top 25 tilts we have. What are the best marquee matchups of that given evening slate? And every day is bonkers. It kind of blows my mind. But that's what we have here the rest of the way. Now into January, March, February, and then, of course, March on the horizon. It is conference action the rest of the way in college basketball. So before we say farewell... And before we say goodbye, it's time for a College Hoops Best Bet. It is time for Bye, Bye, Bye. So just a few nights ago, earlier this week, Purdue at home in West Lafayette at Mackey Arena suffered its first loss of the season. Purdue, who is currently ranked number one in the country for a fourth consecutive week, upset by your family, your religion, in Rutgers basketball a one-point victory for the Scarlet Knights but Purdue started off the year a perfect 13-0 they look to bounce back tonight do the boilers on the road in Columbus against the Ohio State off to a perfect 2-0 start in Big Ten play with the second most efficient offense in all of the country according to Kenneth Pomeroy Purdue a top five efficient offense as well I believe in the bounce back for the Boilermakers. It's a one-and-a-half point spread in favor of the Buckeyes. I think Purdue starts a new win streak after winning its first 13 games of the year. Oh, yeah, speaking of your family, your religion, and Rutgers basketball, I, along with our boss here on Sports Grid, El Jefe Greg Sussman, in attendance tonight at the rack in New Jersey for Rutgers and Maryland. Thank you for joining us here on this Thursday on the Morning After. We'll be back on a football Friday tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. Talk to you.